The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Contrarian Investor Podcast. We give voice to those who challenge a prevailing sentiment in global financial markets. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Guests were not compensated for their appearance, nor do they supply payment in order to appear. Individuals on this podcast may hold positions in the securities that are discussed. Listeners are urged to educate themselves and make their own decisions. This podcast episode may have ads and the occasional announcement. To listen without ads or announcements and take advantage of a host of other benefits, consider becoming a premium subscriber. Visit the website contrarian.supercast.tech. That's T-E-C-H for more information. Now, here's your host, Mr. Nathaniel E. Baker. Stephanie Walter, you are the CEO of Irby Wealth. I'm not sure I pronounced that completely accurately. Airbay. Airbay. Where are you based, by the way? I'm in uh, just outside of Denver, Colorado, in, in Wheat Ridge, Colorado. And you're, uh, besides the CEO of this wealth management firm, you're also the author of a book. And most importantly, for our purposes, you have some contrarian views on the market. And we're going to talk about those. And maybe to lead things out, it's a interesting time. It's always an interesting time. But right now, we have stocks having seen a, a big rally in the first half of the year. And bonds have been beaten up, but we don't know how much lower those can go with the Fed and everything else. So it's kind of an open question what one does right now to get returns, to get income. And you have a unique way here that I haven't heard about before to get what you say is tax-free income. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, it's something that I was exposed to because uh, I raise money for a lot of deals and I uh, am exposed to the you know very affluent people. And this consistently is in their portfolio. It's a index universal life. It's called premium financing insurance. And what it is, is we get a bank to uh, contribute to their the premiums for their policy. And we, we're setting this policy up specifically for a reason. For some wealthy people, they want to use it for estate protection, um, for when you know they pass away and this paying off taxes that that they'll owe. But a lot of people use it for tax-free income when they retire. So essentially, you think of it as a bank that's really almost like a real estate transaction. You put twenty percent down. In many cases, it's a lot less than that, but for purpose of visualization, this is good. And then 80% is provided by insurance company. Um, and th the policy is designed and set up by a wealth strategist like myself and um, to produce what you want to achieve in the end, which is tax-free income. So you sit on it for about 15, 20 years 
And then uh, depending on the amount that you put in and the bank has put in, then uh, by the time you're ready to retire, it pays out tax-free income. The bank, in the meantime, uh, holds on to the loan for about 10 years. And then at the 10-year mark, uh, the bank, there's enough money built into the policy that the bank gets paid off by the insurance company and the rest of the money going forward is yours free and clear. So you don't ever have to pay um, any sort of uh, like mortgage payment or anything like that. It doesn't show up on your credit. Um, so it's a, it's a really unique way. And the reason a lot of people haven't heard of it, honestly, if you go in right now to Google and you put in premium financing insurance, you won't find much. Um, this has largely been a tool of the very wealthy, we're talking um, net worths of 25 million and above for many years. Um, but recently they've opened it up for people that have net worths of a million or more. So okay. it's a great, great strategy, especially if you feel like you're a little behind um, in your retirement. Uh, you know, I, I believe they said, if you have a million in retirement right now, uh, you you can expect to get about 2% out a year uh, to live on comfortably for the rest of your life. So that means you get about 28,000 and then of that 28,000, it's gonna be taxed. Um, so, so this is a great tax-free strategy. The, the way that we set these policies up, mostly I just looked recently and the statistics in this policy are about 40%, uh, the affluent population is about 10% um, in uh, America, but 40% of these policies are sold directly for this reason and to the affluent for this purpose. Okay. But so what is the purpose exactly? It's to, because the bank pays into it mm -hmm. and the insurance company pays into it. What, what What's in it for them? I don't, I don't understand that. What's in it for the insurance company? Yeah. Well, they, they're still selling a lot underneath all of this. It's a life insurance policy okay. and they're getting a premium paid by a bank. How the bank is getting their money is they love these loans. Um, in fact, a lot of people ask me, is there going to be a problem with these loans, uh, you know, of them not wanting to do them anymore? This is their favorite loan. We have relationships with these banks back 20 years. So we went through the last great recession with them. They love this loan because it's a steady loan. They know they're going to get their interest rate. They, you know, it's guaranteed by the, the funds that are in the life insurance. So it's a very uh, solid, safe investment as far as they're concerned. The insurance company gets their money because they get paid on the insurance premium. So basically the cons the consumer or the whoever the investor is here makes a loan to the uh, or to the bank the bank lends it to the insurance company for the term policy is that right based it is based on the insured's um, net worth uh, so like if they have a million dollars of net worth, it's based on that. And yes, they want to be sure that, you know, they want to take a look at your financials and be sure you're where you say you are. And then they loan the money, right, to the pay the insurance company. And they are put as kind of a contingent beneficiary on the plan. So they get paid. Um, and then when like the 10 or 13 years 
is done, then they are cashed out of the policy. And then that policy is, is yours going forward. Well, it's always been yours, but yeah. it doesn't have the bank attached to it at that point. Right. So there is a 10 to 13 year lockup here, I guess. Yep. Yep. It's not, it's not, I would say, yes. Yeah, so you should say that it is not liquid right, at, so, for right. those 10 to 15 years or 10 to 13 years. And then what kind of a coupon are you getting? Are you get that during the 10 to, um, when do you start getting coupon payments and how much, what percentage is it generally? Um, well, it depends on the person's age and how much they are contributing and, and stuff like that. But it's definitely, it's in the double double digits. It's hmm. like an IRR of around probably 12, huh. 13% on the low side. Um, and yes, tax-free tax for, yep. And we set them up to be tax-free for the rest of their lives. So it's a, it's extremely interesting because tax, we know that taxes are going to be changing. Most people don't have a tax-free bucket in their retirement portfolio. They might have a little bit of, you know, Roth if that's available to them. Um, many times it isn't. And that's why this is, this product is utilized by the wealthy people. Wow. So you get 12 to 15, 12% tax-free and that's from the beginning it's not after a lockup i mean when you start taking the money after the 12 years yes okay so it is after 12 years okay yeah mm -hmm. all right okay so after 12 years you get wow and then you get that into perpetuity yes and then depending on when you die the beauty of this is it's all wrapped up within a life insurance policy. So your yeah. heirs still get paid at the end of the day when you pass away. So it's uh, it's a really cool, yet it is, uh, you know, um, there's, it's complicated. That's why you have to go yeah. to someone that, you can't go down to your all state agent and ask yeah. them to do this. You have to talk to someone that knows what they're doing and set yeah. it up correctly. And you need a net worth in the seven figures. Is that, so that's that's not liquid network. That's that in, that can include nope. your house. Uh, I deal with a lot of people because this concept's quite familiar to real estate people. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of people that have their, you know, they don't have a lot of liquid, but they have a lot of net worth on paper. Mm -hmm. And yes, they can absolutely take advantage of it. It doesn't have to be liquid. Nice. Wow. I guess the one thing it doesn't protect you against is inflation, although. If inflation gets above twelve percent, we'll have real problems. Well, that, I'm I'm not even going into it as is in much detail as it is, but basically, it uh, takes the upside in the market, um, so it does protect against inflation. So the money is invested, uh, and not directly in the market, but it takes the ups of the market, but none of the downs in the market. So it's a a strategy in which to explain it in a less complicated way is that the money is uh, a small portion of the premium is every year is put towards options. Mm -hmm. And if the options go up, uh, they, they get a benefit of that. If they go down, it's a zero return for, for them. Okay. For the, this is for the, for the, for the bank. This is for the the actual the insured that's in the life insurance product. Okay, so there is some risk. 
well, the risk is that it goes, you know, that it would go down, right? but it's zero, you know, it's a, it, you would be credited a 0% return. You would not yeah. have any of the exposure of the down market. So that's uh-huh. why a lot of wealthy people like this because they don't, you know, they don't want to have losses and mm-hmm. this is a way to protect the upside um, with no downside risk. Wild. And all you need is a million dollars net worth. It sounds like a lot of a million dollars, but a million is not what it was. And especially if you include all assets, including your home, that's probably a lot of people. And so to do this, like you, you have to go through a, a a wealth advisor, an investment advisor or somebody like that. Is, is mm-hmm. that right? Yep. Someone that's very familiar with it has the established relationships with these banks like we have um, for at least 20 years, I would say, and has a real track record of what they've been able to do. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's really interesting. I I have to admit, I don't, I've never heard of it in uh, 20 years of of covering financial markets. Yeah. Most people, yeah. yeah, most people I'd say, you know, I'd I'd say close to a hundred percent have never heard of it. Uh, okay. So it's it's not you're not unique in that way. <laughs> well, maybe this podcast will change things. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay, that's really interesting. So, what other opportunities are you seeing right now um, in terms of investing and, and things like that? And what are your clients seeing? Um, I know pretty they're following pretty uh like i follow uh tiger 21 which is an investment club mm-hmm. of people that have over 10 million dollars and i would say my investors are follow that pretty closely they have a lot in private equities right now um they have this virtually almost the same amount probably 25 percent uh in private equities probably 25 percent in um real estate and then that real estate can encompass a lot of different things. It can be, you know, having rentals, though, you know, very, very few people want to deal with that. Um, mm-hmm. Most of them are in syndications, which, you know, um, are very specific. And um, they definitely vet the the people that are running these deals. And, um, and yeah, and, and they provide tax uh, or they provide some great tax benefits. But it gives them the cash flow, which mm-hmm. is what most of them are seeking mm-hmm. um, with very low risk. Mm-hmm. But there is risk. I mean, we're talking right now, we've got interest rates going up. Sick of me yet? Become a premium subscriber and avoid all ads or interruptions. Other benefits as well. Visit contrarian.supercast.tech for more information. In Puerto Rico? We call ourselves Boricua. We are proud, passionate, and full of life. On our island, adventure finds you. Strangers aren't strangers for long. The size of the audience doesn't change the beauty of the music. And we celebrate every last ray of sun. Live Boricua. Personally, we've been holding off for the last year buying anything. We believe, and it seems to be corroborated with what's going on in the markets, is the interest rate or the uh, cap rates are we're starting to see begin rising, which mm-hmm. as interest rates went up, the, the cap rates should 
follow. Um, but we hadn't seen that because there was so much money still in the markets. But now that there isn't so much 1031 money out there, we're starting to see the cap rates go up. So there's there's going to be some opportunities before the end of the year. In, in real estate? Yes. Mm-hmm. Any particular parts? Um, we have always invested very strongly in Florida. And the multifamily has kind of been a no-brainer there just because uh, the people, the volume of people moving. But as I mentioned, I'm in Colorado and there's some interesting markets here as well as Wyoming for retail um, business, uh, service businesses, not people are always thinking that's a bad investment because of Amazon, but we call them service retail centers, which those are people that, you know, you go into your local grocery store, you've got a liquor store, you've got a a probably hair salon, a nail salon, yoga studio, things that people have to go into. And we're starting to see the cap rates get pretty high up in these, uh, in these markets. Um, so if you do, if you really, you know, the market you're investing in or the people you know, and you work with, uh, there is still, there is going to start to be opportunity probably towards the end of this year to really get a good deal. And these would be new project, new development projects for these, uh, retail outlets. They can also be, you know, I'm saying, you know, probably within the last 10 or 15 years that they've been built. Yeah. I see. And did I hear that right? You said Wyoming? Yes. <laughs> so I thought Wyoming is famously, the, if I'm not mistaken, the least populated U.S. Yes. state. Maybe it's Montana. No, but no, it is. It's it is the Wyoming. Least, it's the least populated place on earth. Uh, one of the least that I watched something and they said somewhere up in the polar circle or something, there is another place that has as as sparsely populated but yes Wyoming Wyoming's interesting to me personally because I I know what's been going on in Colorado and there's been a lot of people leaving here Um, and uh and Cheyenne which is right on the border literally uh, about an hour and a half from Denver has been growing quite a lot and so I expect in the next few years that we'll get over 100,000 people there um, because people, uh, my, this is my hypothesis, is they're leaving Denver. They love the mountains. They don't necessarily want to leave the lifestyle, but they move an hour and a half out of, you know, the city and they get, uh, and they don't have income tax up there and it's a quieter place. And um, I've heard of people moving there and still working down in Colorado. So. Yeah, an hour and a half is not the terrible commute, yeah. uh, especially if you don't have to do it five days a week. Yeah. That's remarkable. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, this brings to mind something else that is, uh, you mentioned tax-free assets. One that people, uh, many people do know about are, are municipal bonds. Uh, are you seeing anything there? This has been another part of the market with the bond market that's been beaten up. Um, are, you, are your clients do anything there or, or not so much? I, I don't see a whole lot that they do with that. In fact, I've, I see a lot of, again, um, usage of, of products that people don't really talk about a whole lot. Um, annuities, uh, yeah. specifically, they, they've been using annuities to replace their bond um bond portfolio of their money because annuities are, they pay so much more uh, than bonds do. 
Mm -hmm. Um, So no, I I don't see a lot of that. Okay. What about hedge funds? This has been something that. uh, Yep. Hedge funds. So like hedge funds. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. Interesting. And on the topic of commercial real estate, I'm assuming that there's not much interest in office space or is that wrong? Yeah. Nope. I, I'm, yep. I, I've had people talk to me. They, they talk to me, people that are trying to put deals together and get money raised and they come to me sometimes. Uh, and I, yeah, that's a big no um, for me because right. there's just so much risk. We, you know, possibly listening to some people, we're going to be able to, you know, remote people are going to come back to the offices, but then no, a few people, I know that there are several people talking about AI and that that's a big unknown as well. Yeah. And um, like I was telling you before, you know, the wealthy people I work with want, um, don't want risk in their portfolio, mm. really. Mm. Maybe yeah. just a tiny segment of their portfolios about risk, but mm-hmm. certainly not in office spaces. Right. Okay, good. All right. Very interesting, Stephanie Walter. This is a very interesting conversation. I want to take a quick break and then come back and ask you some more stuff, including about your background, how you got into this whole line of work and things like that. But let's first take a quick break. If you are a premium subscriber, you do not get the break. Don't go anywhere. Don't touch the dial. We'll be right back. In fact, we already are. And to become a premium subscriber, visit the website contrarianpod com and sign up. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Contrarian Investor Podcast, where we give voice to those who challenge a prevailing narrative in global financial markets. Consider becoming a premium subscriber. For $9 a month or less, premium subscribers receive a number of benefits. Podcasts are posted immediately after they're recorded. Transcripts are made available within 24 hours. Premium subscribers get direct access to the host. And of course, there are no ads or interruptions. Visit contrarian.supercast.tech for more information. By the way, you don't need the .tech suffix to get to that website. .com will do the trick. And we also have a Substack that you can where you can sign up for the same prices, same benefits, same details contrarianpod.substack.com. So if you already have a Substack account and use it or have the app and use that, that's probably the best way to go. So contrarian.supercast.com or contrarianpod.substack.com. Whole bunch of benefits, including, of course, getting this episode up to a week early without ads or annoying announcements. And you also get the Daily Contrarian briefing and podcast that is released every market day morning at 7 a.m. This is a contrarian take on the events of the day ahead and what is likely to move markets, such as economic data releases, earnings, and other things. It is really good, and that is completely unbiased, of course. So check that out contrarianpod.substack.com or contrarian.supercast.tech. Now on with the show. Welcome back, everybody. Here with Stephanie Walter of Airbnb Wealth Management out in Denver or suburban Denver, Colorado. 
Uh, Stephanie, this is the segment of the show where we ask our guests to tell us a little bit more about themselves, their personal background, their origin story when it comes to investing, how they got involved with financial markets and, and the financial industry to begin with, and what led them to their current station in their career. So uh, yeah, to talk to us about that. Sure. Um, I uh, did what most people do when I graduated from college. I got a job. Um, I worked at it for about eight years and uh, was getting pretty frustrated with uh, the 2% raises that I had been receiving. And uh, shortly after that, I had talked to my dad, who is like one of my big mentors in my life, and just said, I'm frustrated, Dad. I just bought a house. Uh, these people that I work for are telling me that I'm doing a fantastic job, yet I'm getting a 2% raise. And if I figure that out over the next 20 or 30 years, so, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be satisfied. So he was just like, he was an entrepreneur. Um, and he said, you know, you basically can keep doing this. You know what, you know what you're going to get, or you can go out on your own, do a business and basically what you achieve will be up to you. So two weeks later, I gave my notice. I opened an insurance agency at um, that time. It was in 2005. Mm. And I, I ran that for about 16 years. Um, but all along, I was investing in real estate, uh, in uh, single family real estate, which I, you know, I didn't have a lot of knowledge. My dad died right around the time I started my business. So um, I real estate always made sense to me. So I, I invested in a lot of single family um, properties. And then in 2016, I was invited to a, a boot camp on how to how to put syndications together. And that um, was a new concept for me. And when I heard it, I felt like it was, you know, it, it was like the lights went on. I felt like this is an amazing thing to do to be able to buy a piece of property with a group of people that no one could do on their own. And so I pretty much uh, really, I hooked up with a partner. We did our first syndication in 2018. Um, we've done 12 deals since our last deal was July of 2023. We have about 300 million assets under management right now. And, you know, all the while I, I was dealing with these wealthy people and noticing that they viewed their money differently than I did. And I was trying to figure out exactly, you know, what they were doing with their money. Then once I figured it out, I, I actually repositioned a lot of my assets to be doing what they're doing. And as such, I was able to replace my income in my business in 2021. And I retired, I guess, is, is what you'd say. But um, my passion really is telling a lot of other people about these strategies and um, getting people better prepared for retirement and building their own wealth. Yeah, I was going to say this begs the question, what is it that the very wealthy do that's different from, I guess, not wealthy in terms of well, asset allocation? And yeah, yeah, I mean, they truly diversify, you know, into different areas. Uh, their main focus is basically what their money is. Like the majority of people in in America are doing uh, have a mindset of um, accumulation. 
They're right. just throwing their money at a financial planner or uh, in their 401k, having zero idea of what it's invested in or very little idea of what the returns are or the fees are, hmm. as well as the 401k is largely illiquid. Um, so they have no control or access to the funds. Um, the wealthy people, they view money in a utilization model. So basically they look at what their money is doing for them at any mm. time. They have a lot more control. They don't uh, give up responsibility or control for their money. And they expect their money to be performing for them much like an employee. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, they, they want to know what the, you know, what tax, um, tax things are going to come along with, with what they're investing in. They're, they're going to want to know what kind of cash flow is coming in. Uh, for them, it's very, cash flow is, you know, king, as we hear from a lot of people. The, they look at um, not squirreling away and building up an investment over a long period of time, but um, continually um, making investments and getting cash flow as a result of those. Right. And of the their investments, how much is in public stocks? I would say maybe, you know, probably I'd see 10 to 15 percent yeah. Yeah. Is, is what I usually see. The bulk is usually, I mean, and then there, you know, there's everybody's a little different. I have one investor. He keeps 5 percent of his um, assets in you know, startups, things that, you know, would be a, a bit risky, but largely he's in very, um, you know, risk, uh, you know, not, not things that are risky. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to see losses just kind of like Warren Buffett's famous quote. Of, rule number of one of in, yeah. investing, don't lose money. Rule number two, senior rule number one. Yes. The, <laughs> you know, that's, that's really interesting because we hear a lot about, you know, need needing to make your money work for you and stuff. And Rich Dad, Poor Dad was written, I don't even know how 30 years ago. And mm -hmm. he made that whole argument, right? Very simply draw a line, assets, rich people have assets, poor people have liabilities. Um, but the 10 to 15% in public stocks, that is somewhat alarmingly low. Yeah, I mean, I that is, you know, what I, I would say, you know, in the Tiger 21, you know, which is different than my own investors, um, which is probably a smaller group, that tends to be, I think, around 20% as well. Uh -huh. So uh, I think where people are lacking is in the private private equity, real estate. Um, those things are truly diversified, not diversified within the stock market so that sure. they have non-market related um, assets. Right. Yeah. But well, there's a caveat there, which is private. First, first of all, you need to be a qualified investor to access yeah. private equity. Yeah. And then second of all, there's a huge liquidity. You know, your, your cash is locked away for what, five years at least in a private well, equity fund? It sort of, I mean, it depends on who, which companies, there's so many different ones with so many different strategies. I see um, private equities, with uh, where they'll pay quarterly. I've also okay. seen private equities where they have an evergreen fund. So you can take the money out whenever you want to take it out. But it's certainly equivalent to, you know, the 401k uh, is pretty illiquid as well. 
Um, and I think it's a, it would be a good strategy. You know, it would take some learning, um, but there's always people out there, uh, you know, wealth strategists and, and things like that, that, you know, understand how to tell you to um, do your due diligence on, on investments like this. But yeah. um, it's certainly, I think uh, if you find a good company, it's well worth looking into. Yeah, if if you have the minimum, if you can meet the right. minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there? Do you think? And I've, I've I constantly, or not constantly, but often get pitches of private equity for uh, you know retail investors. You know, in some way that they set it up where I don't even know how exactly it works. There's different ways. Have you seen any of those? Do you think that's a feasible avenue for for retail investors who want to get? exposure to private equity or is it just it's just off limits unless you can no i mean i think you definitely want to do your research uh, as to you know what sort of experience they have have they had any previous funds and what have those funds done if if it's a first time for anything i don't care how good they are yeah. uh you, we, you pass on that yeah. but um you know i have a private equity company i'm involved with or I invest with rather uh, that uh, looks to buy software companies and, and then they kind of like, kind of like fix them up and make them pretty and, and sell them off. And so that that's a different strategy, but private equities there. Yes. Yeah, you could do that. I think also there would be some retail syndications to look yeah. into too, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. some of those minimums are less, mm-hmm. you know, even with some of our uh, properties will allow $50,000 investment for people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that can kind of get your foot in the door. Uh, mm-hmm. with not a lot of money and then just see how it goes. And if, yeah. if it performs like they hope it will, then, you know, maybe make a hundred thousand in those four years or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or more ideally, although of course there's risk, but with risk comes reward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you make of the argument that a lot of the, the best private equity returns, it, it tend, depends on the vintage of the fund and that re- really the ones that are invested at the height of the market don't do all that well. There certainly is a timing element to it as well. Isn't yeah. It? Yep. Yep. I see right now, uh, it seems like a lot of people are getting into the credit markets right now. Mm. Um, so it's just like cyclical, uh, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and so you, you see companies that are doing that. Um, so they're taking advantage of, of certain weaknesses in the market, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. It's just like anything else, you know, you need to do your research and figure out if it's, if it's a good time or not, if you don't, you know, have anyone to help you, definitely there's, there's plenty of people, well, strategists, um, that can help you maneuver that. Yes, indeed. What do you think about uh, cryptos and what are you hearing from your clients there? I have a lot of people that are still invested in crypto. Yeah, I have a lot of people. I personally, I'm very risk adverse. Um, and so I, I don't like that there's really no oversight. Mm. Um, I mean, at least with syndications, we're monitored by the SEC um, and stuff like that. So it's just completely unregulated so that, you know, I, I have fear about that, but I know a lot of my clients are not heavily invested, but 
you know, certainly have a portion of their money in crypto. Okay, interesting. So it's not a complete scam. Yeah, but hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, it's it has a you know it's done all. I mean, ten years or so. You know, done all right. I mean, there's been drawdowns, but there's been a lot of drawdowns in in other asset classes. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Wow. Okay. Do you have any thoughts on the economy? Do you hear anything about that? Any concerns there? I mean, yeah, for- big, big concerns. Okay. I mean, just looking at our debt and, uh, you know, the what, what I'm more concerned with the economy in result in regards to what future taxes will be. Mm. And um, a lot of people think we're right now in one of the lower or the higher periods of tax rates when actually we're in historically low tax rates right now. Um, you know, when the income tax was was introduced in like 1913 and a few years after that i don't know if it was around 1946 or something it was up to 92 percent of um and overall since the income tax was introduced the median tax rate has been 56.8 percent so we're now in i think what 39 percent so it can definitely go up. And I think that really um, focuses me and what my message is, is people need to look at tax-free options for retirement, not for their whole, all of their money, but just a portion, because I think those tax rates are going to be much higher because there's not much more we can do as far as spending. You know, it's... Uh, I think we're at $32 trillion. That doesn't even include the unfunded liabilities of Social Security and Medicare. Mm. So, um, yeah, I have, a, I have a lot of concerns, even for my son, who's nine, you mm. know, what, what, how we're going to get straightened out of here. Mm. Um, I'm also concerned, I heard uh, this week that there's, it was a pretty large number. I think it was 62% of businesses were struggling to find debt. Um, or to get debt on their businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so they, they, per, they, this article was saying that they see a, you know, big problem coming up where businesses are going to be going out of business. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, if that's what's going to happen or, or not, but I know the interest rates being as high as they are is definitely putting um, a strain on people uh, mm. to get loans, especially in, in if they're running their businesses. Yeah, no question. Uh, that that I can see that being being an issue. Um, yeah, to borrow is going to be is exorbitant. Uh, well, I mean, not compared to the seventies, but compared right. to the nineties and the two thousands, it sure is. So I can see that certainly see that being an issue uh, for corporations, and then maybe them cutting back on employment or other other spending. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. I wish I had a crystal ball, but I don't. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, nobody does, unfortunately, but that's all very interesting stuff. All right. Lovely. Uh, Stephanie Walter, thank you so much for joining the Contrarian Investor Podcast today. Maybe thank in closing, you. you can tell our listeners, how, and I'll put this in the show notes, how they can find out more about you, get the book. Um, I don't know if you have a I imagine you have a website. I don't know if you have a, any social media type stuff, but yeah, let us, what is that? I have a, you can go to my web, website, which is www.erbewealth.com. Uh, 
www.thepowerofthenow.com. And from there, you could sign up to get a free download of the book. Um, and then, you know, you can join our group of, uh, you know, information that I try to send out every two weeks to our investors about any new opportunities or, you know, just educational material. Um, and then I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Stephanie Walter, and then um, my, and then Air Bay Wealth is on there as well. Um, mm-hmm. Facebook, I'm not quite as active on that. So, okay. Interesting. So you do have a, a newsletter that you send out every couple of weeks, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. But you have to be a, uh, a client to get it. Uh, or at least sign up to say you want to get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's fair enough. All right. Cool. Wonderful. All right. Irbywealth.com. And uh, yeah, I'll put the links out there in the show notes so you can all uh, get in touch with Stephanie. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Stephanie for coming on. And we look forward to speaking to you all again next time. See you then. Thank you for listening to the Contrarian Investor Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. To subscribe to this podcast, simply open your favorite podcast software and search for Contrarian Investor. Follow us on social media by searching for Contrarian Investor on Twitter and Instagram. Send us your thoughts on feedback at contrarianpod.com. We look forward to speaking to you again next time.